everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. World Series of Poker, the final table is in progress as we do the show here. And uh, day one of the final three days was uh, last night. So we'll talk a little bit about the beginning of the final table and what's happening. Uh, Joe is uh, out of town, but he will join me by phone in just a moment. A couple of uh, topics I wanted to discuss with him, including the big uh, Dario San Martino hand. Uh, that got Jack Effel in a little bit of hot water with some of the poker community. Uh, we'll talk about that. It was a correct ruling, and Joe will uh, explain a little bit about that. And we'll talk about uh, what's going to happen over the next couple of days. We also have an interview tonight with Howard Mash, who is the 2019 World Series of Poker Seniors Champion. He is from South Florida. He just turned 50 uh, before the series got underway. So the first time for him to play in the seniors event uh, he is from Coconut Creek, uh, Coral Springs area down here, plays at the Coconut Creek Casino, and we sat down and talked after he got back to town following the seniors' victory. That's been now a couple of weeks, so um, I do want to play that tonight. Uh, since then, he has chopped the tournament over at the Seminole Hard Rock, uh, the, the Seminole Turnpike Series, and uh, is playing very well. And went back out and played the main event at the Vegas, which we talk about his plans to go back out there and do that. But he is one of the guys from here in South Florida, and everybody speaks very highly of him. A great guy, and had a fun conversation with him. So we're going to use we're going to play that tonight as well, and we'll talk about what else is happening out in Vegas, uh, including several events uh, with 90 events this year. Uh, they uh, still had a good dozen to go when the main event got underway. So a bunch of that stuff is playing out today and tomorrow uh, as we do the show here on a Monday in South Florida. Tomorrow, Tuesday, will be the final day of the World Series of Poker, July the 16th, and they'll play down to a champion tomorrow night. But last night uh, on Sunday, the 14th, was the first day of the World Series of Poker. Let's bring Joe in, and we'll talk a little bit about it. I don't think he got a chance to see too much of it, but I'm sure he'll check it out a little bit later on. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Big Dave. How are you and Gio doing over there? Everybody's great. Uh, come to find out that there was actually a South Florida player in the final table. I did not realize it, but uh, uh, Zen Kai is from Lake Worth, and uh, so South Florida player. Uh, he, unfortunately, he got eliminated last night in sixth place, and uh, they finished up by eliminating four players last night, and they have five left to go. Tonight, they're supposed to play down to three, but uh, since they took off an extra player, uh, the action was uh, quicker than expected on the first night. In fact, uh, the first three players were out in, I think it was an hour and 20 minutes, and they still had a broadcast window time, so they decided to play down to one more player, and they ended up playing about three hours total, I think 56 hands in all during the three hours. Yep. And uh, they are down to five now. So uh, it's it's. I don't know if you've seen the chip counts. I'm sure you have. But uh, Hossein. Uh, well, yeah, I know that uh, <clears throat> Hossein has a little over 200,000, and Gates has about 180, give give or take. I think 171. Uh, let's see, it's 207 to 171. So uh, uh, Hossein Ensan, uh, who is a Syrian player, and I guess lives uh, in Germany, I believe. Germany, now. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, mm-hmm. then we have Gary Gates, who uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the talk about it, but he used to work as a uh, reporter and uh, coverage for Poker News and then moved on to work for Poker Stars and is kind of like one of the guys that just entertains people and uh, VIPs and that sort of thing. And he's been with Poker Stars for quite a long time, but in his time with Poker News, he became great friends with all the media. So everybody out there covering, including these guys who write up the hand reviews and stuff like that, they're all on his rail cheering. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's excellent. And let me tell you, I did not get a chance to see um, them play, you know, eliminate the four last night. I did close the room, and we had it on, but not the audio. Uh, so, you know, I, I had to close the room on Friday, so I, I punched out at about 5.30 our time here, Eastern time. And it was so funny because I remember watch, starting to get real interested in watching it. At, I, I, I'm guessing somewhere between 10 and 10.30, and they were somewhere around 13 or 14 players. And I remember that it took till right before I closed the room down just to get to the final table of 10, you know, to eliminate three or four players just took forever. And, um, while I had punched out and on my drive home, less than 10 minutes of me being in my car, I heard that the final table, I mean, I was, you know, had it on, on, on my phone and all of a sudden I see nine players. So it's a wow! It took, it took about six, seven, eight, seven, eight hours to eliminate three or four players at like 10 minutes. Once I got to the final table, to eliminate the tenth to get to, to to the final nine that they had yesterday. Absolutely, but I did not get to see it, Dave. So you're gonna have to let me know about that. Well, I don't and actually, think, I, I don't think there was anything too out of line. And for the opening night, uh, they did eliminate four players, uh, but it wasn't anything tr- totally dramatic. Uh, I think uh, Gates played very solidly and uh, was able to pick up a lot of ground. He was quite a ways behind uh, uh, Ensign. Well, uh, yeah, he was almost two to one behind uh, the exactly. At, uh, you know, starting the, the, the nine-handed play, if I'm not mistaken, close to it. Right, but the way it shakes out tonight, Ensign has two hundred seven thousand, two hundred seven million chips. Uh, Gates one seventy one, so they have about sixty percent, I believe, of the entire chip count. Because the other guys are way back. Uh, Kevin Maz, who uh, drew the ire of a I lot know of the third poker place community, has about sixty-six yeah, million. Yeah, sixty-six million is that's correct. Uh, Alex Livingston has about f- uh, 46 million, and uh, Dario Sammartino will go in tonight as the short stack with 23 million. So, uh, what's your thoughts on strategy with the guys way ahead? Obviously, you got a lot of room uh, to you can make a couple of mistakes, and it's not going to hurt you that bad. But you also have the ability to kind of run over the field. Uh, of course, Ensign and Gates will have to be a little bit careful of each other. But when they get in situations with the smaller stacks, they really can take control. Well, listen, I, if I'm not mistaken, fifth place is going to get around 1.8 right. change million, right. and then the jump is to 2.2, and then 3 million. So the big number there, obviously, is 3 million, you know, for third place. So, you know, you're, you're, if you're in modest position, 66 million to, you know, like you said, San Martino's around 20 million, and the other stack is, was it around... Thirty million, if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't recall right off the top of my head right now. For which place? Uh, the person who was said the second shortest stack in the field. He has forty-five. 40, oh, forty-five. So you know you're talking about strategy. Yeah, obviously the two big stacks don't want to run into each other. You know, obviously unless unless one's holding pocket aces, the other one's holding pocket kings, and you know they they, they know that they that unless something goes really wrong. 
they should be looking at first and second place. Right. You know, they got to put enough pressure to eliminate. Now you got to find out, you know, who's who's soft playing, trying to get a, a money jump. I would imagine. Right. You know, if I'm San Martino, I'm looking to push with my first big hand because I don't, I don't want it. five handed. The blind level, I believe they have 28 or so minutes, half an hour more or less left at 612, uh, 600,012, uh, 1.2 million. So you're looking at three million dollars every five hands in blind hands. Right. So with 20 million, he's gonna have to find a hand very quickly because you know even with one round done. You know, he's he's down to eight, eight, 17 million. At that point, one of the big stacks will just take a shot, you know, uh, at him, you know, and, and you can't decide. So I'm assuming he's going to come out very aggressive as soon as he gets two cards that he thinks he can either steal the blinds and annies or, you know, hopefully double up and then put some pressure on, on the other two shorter stacks. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm the big stack, you know, either one of those two stacks, I'm putting more pressure on on um, the, per, the, the the person in third place, you know. Whenever he's the big blind, if the others have gotten out of the way, because he's looking he's looking to, you know, hopefully last till at least third from where they're at right now, which would give him an additional 1.2 million or 3 million total for the tournament. Do you, so do you think it, yes? Do you think they expect that from him? Uh, he's in seat two. Uh, say he comes right out and gets very aggressive, maybe even without a great hand. Uh, Gates is in seat four, so he'll maybe be careful of uh, Ensign, who is behind him in seat one. Uh, and uh, so maybe Ensign has a little bit of an advantage, because if Gates drops out of the well, hand Ensign without a has, hand. Ensign, yeah, Ensign has position, but remember, you know, he also has Gates to worry about acting after him, uh, you know, if he's trying to put pressure on and, and Gates wakes up with a re, with a really strong hand, right? Um, again, you're going to have to gauge. You know, uh, like I said, I'm expecting Sarantino to come out aggressive, probably within the first five to ten hands. Pick one and just you know you're going to have to push and hope you double up. You know, and I'm, I'm certain that the other two shorter stacks are hoping he gets eliminated right away. You know, because then obviously. You're looking at 2.2 and three and three million. Now think about that. The jump from the first person eliminated to the to the next person eliminated is roughly 400,000. It doubles from 2.2 to three million for the next person that gets knocked out. Right. And I think that's where you're going to see some of the action. You know, especially if Severino gets knocked out early in the first five hands. These one of them has 66. The other one has 45. You know. They're going to try to wait each other. They're going to try to wait each other out. I'm sorry about that, guys, but I'm I'm trying to reach over here, and I'm sure you're hearing that horn. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. But listen, I I believe once you get to four, if Sarantino is eliminated early on, and his twenty million goes, I'm assuming to one of the two bigger stacks out there, that's where it's going to. I believe it'll get interesting because you're talking about an eight hundred thousand dollar jump, you know, from fourth to third. And, you know, uh, you got to see who, which one of them is going to blink first and, and say, I'm going to take a shot and try to double up either to $90 million, the guy who's currently in fourth, or, or to $130 million, which all of a sudden now puts him in, in contention to win this outright, the gentleman who's in third. Right. So that's going to be interesting how that strategy works out. Like I said, I'm expecting San Martino with $20 million and, you know, having three million dollars in every five hands, to, 
you know, I don't know where the button is on him right now as far as when they when they you know when they resume play, but I'm I'm expecting him to wait no more than six or seven hands if he can to push with something to try to double up and at least have a fighting chance. Okay. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the first day of the final table, but uh, four players were eliminated. Milos uh, Skrbic was the first one out from Serbia, so he takes home a million dollars. Timothy Sue went out next, then Nick Marchington, and finally when they went down to a fourth player, it was uh, Zen Kai, uh, the, uh, fort, the uh, Lake Worth re- resident, that uh, went out in sixth place for $1.85 million. So those guys are eliminated. There's five left, and they'll get it underway tonight. Uh, and we'll be reporting on the end of the tournament next week. But I do want to touch on this hand for Friday night. Now, I know you saw a little bit of it. Of course, you were working, and the sound wasn't on. So it wasn't completely clear to you exactly what happened. But we've talked a little bit about it. And that's the hand of uh, Dario San Martino and the mistake made by the poker dealer at that table. Now, it's very uh, bizarre that we just discussed uh, the Tournament Directors Association meeting and the fact that they wanted dealers to call out the size of the bets on every hand. Uh, They didn't come to a final conclusion on that, but usually when they get down to a final table, they do that automatically anyway. But just to to set it up for you, basically, is they had a hand, and uh, San Martino... um, had seven. Let's see. What do you have? He had. Uh, he, I guess uh, he was sitting with roughly thirty something or forty million. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Like maybe sixty million. It was. And the other person was short stacked with seventeen or twenty two. If I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, Nick Marchington had twenty two point two million. Uh, Sam Martino uh, raised uh, with pocket tens. He was in uh, UTG plus one. And raised to 1.7 million. Uh, the blinds were 400,000, 800,000. But he went to 1.7 million. And Marchington uh, moved all in in the small blind for 20 first 22.2 million. Uh, San Martino asked the dealer, uh, you know, for a quick count, and the dealer counted out 17.2 million and okay. an- announced that. She, so she missed five million. She, she missed, missed five million. million. But uh, San, San okay. Martino immediately heard that and immediately shoved out a stack of chips to indicate that he was making the call. Okay, so now I didn't see that big game. So you're telling me that he took no time after hearing that it was seventeen million and pushed out the stack. Correct. 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 Okay, so that, that, that makes my answer that I had told you off the air even more solid. But go ahead and explain it to our listeners. So he thought he was making the call for 21 big blinds. As it turned out, it was just over 28 big blinds. So right. uh, since he called rather quickly, he did not notice the discrepancy of what the dealer told him and what the actual count was. But he, they turned over their cards, and this is a key point, is they, the cards were displayed. Now, all of a sudden, he's upset and says, says uh, you know, they need to, to make a ruling on this, and uh, he may or may not have called if he, she had announced it correctly. Uh, Jack Effel was finally called. Uh, first of all, people said that the, the floor guys handled it pretty good, but he kept uh, saying that he wanted a it's ruling. Right. They went all the way to uh, Vice President Jack Effel, who uh, confirmed, confirmed the floor's ruling. And San Martino said, you know, this is not my fault for sure. So he tried to explain that the difference in amounts might have changed his decision. 
uh, and Jack uh, made the correct ruling, invoking what's uh, known, I guess, as the acceptance uh, clause. Exactly, and and before even knowing that ruling, because to be honest with you, I'd be lying to our listeners and to you if I told you I think it's the acceptance call. But you you described it to me when I asked you what was going on, because all I saw was all in, and and obviously San Martino was upset, couldn't hear the volume in our room, and you explained it to me, you know, exactly as it is, and you asked me what I would decide on that day. But, uh, you know, I immediately told you that, and this is without you telling me that he immediately called, the seventeen million after the dealer made the mistake and counted it wrong, okay. And I would have made him pay the twenty-two million point two just like Jack Effel did, okay. And and my reasoning is he. And again, here's another surprise. How did no one else on the table not realize that that was five million dollars short? I think it happened you so quickly. I, mean, I, I think it happened so so quickly. You should not have made that mistake. Right. But somebody should have said, "Wait a minute, you've got the wrong count." Well, Alex, not being their job. Alex huh? Livingston actually uh, printed out a little uh, thing on online afterwards and said, "I wish I would have known us, known it earlier." Uh, he said that Dario's a uh, a class act and. Uh, the problem really came not on the ruling, but as Jack said, well, San Martino kept arguing. And finally Jack said, that's it. Let's play poker. And everything would have been fine if that was the end of it, and they just went back to deal. But as he was walking away, he said, if you're calling 17, you're calling 22, which he probably should not have said. No, but, but remember what I told you also you know, when I asked you about this hand? I said, if he's calling 17, he's calling the 22. Right, which, you said the same which thing. Which I had not known that that's what Jack Eiffel's decision had been made when you had described this to me as a as a tournament director. Now, maybe in the manner that Jack addressed him may have been a little, you know, a little harsh. I would have apologized for the mistake that the dealer made, okay? But I would have said, listen, your intentions were immediately to call that amount of money, and I don't believe $5 million would have made a difference in your call. If it had been half of the call, if, if the dealer had made a mistake and, and declared half of the bet, I may have just made the call to say, well, he thought he's only calling this. We're going to leave it like this. And, you know, if the short stack loses, he gets back this. But $17 million, he made an immediate call, according to you, because I did not see that. I don't have a problem with the decision that Jack made. I, I would have made the exact same call in my room. Um, I may have addressed the player a little bit better. Then Jack did, and again, not knowing how he does from what people said, that that's, that, you know, the, in the manner of which he spoke to them or the comment that he made walking away, you know, listen, there's no decision with forcing this player to make that call, Dave, that he's going to be happy. Because if, 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 he wasn't, if he wanted to go all the way up to Jack Apple for the $5 million, once the decision was made for him to put it in there, he wasn't going to be a happy camper anyway. Okay. So Jack F. had to say, listen, I'm sorry. I know you're upset. There's nothing else I can do. I apologize for the dealer's mistake, but we got to keep this tournament running. Dealer, deal the cards, and then you walk away. Okay. Uh, because something... you're not going to win anything there. Uh, obviously, a lot of poker players and uh, poker media and different people kind of weighed in online. And basically, the whole thought was that, uh, Ethel really didn't need to say that. He said, uh, like Joey Ingram said, it doesn't seem like it was intended to be a needle by Jack Ethel, but uh, the other players who have more experience with him seem to think so. Uh, 
it just seems like he doesn't know why the difference would matter, and a lot of players were shocked at that because there is a big difference. You mean the players thought that there was a huge difference between the seventeen million and the twenty-two million yeah, at that yeah, point they, in the tournament? They did, yeah. They said that the the, the uh, Ethel didn't seem to really know the the strategy of the game and what kind of effect that would have. That was the point that some of them made. Well, well, maybe maybe Jack and I are too old for this, but <laughs> immediately when you and I spoke about this, this a day ago, I made the exact same call. Well, immediately at the table, one of the players said, "Oh, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have said that." That was the comment at the table. Uh, later on, Liv Bo reposted online. She said, "I can't believe he said that. His dealer made an enormous error, but okay, shit happens, and the ruling stands." But then to make such an inflammatory, subjective claim instead of just apologizing for the error is horrific. Well, let me tell you. Like I said, I would have addressed it the way I just mentioned to you just a few right. minutes ago. No, I would have apologized for the dealer, but human error occurs. We have to take the best interest of the show, I mean, of, of the tournament into, you know, into account. And if you're going to call $17 million and, 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 you know, snap call $17 million all in, you were going to call 22 Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I don't believe anything else than he would not have called those extra $5 million. He had it in his mind that once that man pushed with pocket tent. He was going to call. I'm thinking that he was taking more of an angle shot because he saw there was there was an opening because the dealer did make a mistake. And I'm guaranteeing you, if you spoke to Jack Eppel in private and asked him about that hand, that's a, he would tell you something very similar to what I just said to you. Okay, nothing dramatic as an effect on the tournament because both of those players, well, actually, Marchington won the hand he, with the better hand. Uh, and... Uh, they both players made the final table. Marchington, of course, is now out, and uh, San Martino is the short stack, but not for any reason because of that particular hand. So not a huge effect on it. Just uh, interesting to talk about I'll how it was handled. All right, well, listen. I, to me, I think Jack wanted to avoid a continual problem, and unfortunately maybe his walking away comment made it worse than it should have been. But I do understand his frustration because there's no winning. There's no winning here. The, think about it. The all-in player shoved his chips in. He should be paid for the full amount of chips that he has in his hands. Okay, it's not his mistake that the dealer miscounted that. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. that being said, how did he not know that he had 22 million in front of him when he heard the dealer say 17 million? You know, the yellow chips were the one billion dollar chips. I don't know how big the stack was at that time with the use of half million dollar chips. Again, I got to see the all in and him arguing and I saw Jack Effel being called. But, you know, as a player, I'm going all in. I, I usually know exactly what I got in front of me. Right. And I'm sure if you ask all top tournament players, listen, you may not know to the exact dollar, but you're not going to be off by $5 million. I, I just can't believe that. Well, as far as the rule goes, uh, this is in the TDA uh, rules, and it's called the acceptance clause. Uh, poker is a game of alert, continuous observation. It's the caller's responsibility to determine the correct amount of an opponent's bet before calling, regardless of what is stated by the dealer. If a caller requests a count but receives incorrect information from the dealer or participants, then places that amount in the pot, the caller is assumed to accept the full correct action and subject to the correct wager or all-in amount. So it's very well, clear. Well, let me tell you something. 
You know what? One of the most there are the two most common mistakes made at a table is a premature turn, and a dealer must usually see one or nine cards, and players get upset. I didn't do anything. The dealer made the mistake, and yes, you apologize for the dealer, but I always remind the player the number one rule for the players is the player must protect his or her own hand. Okay. That also not only from the dealers but from dealers. Uh, incorrectly stating what their all-in bets are, their mannerisms as to what they whether they check their or, or bet. You know, if, if you don't protect your own hand, you know, you, it, uh, yes, you, you're hoping the dealer does his or her job, but being human, mistakes are made. Yeah. So guess what? I was taught at a lesson very early in my poker career for the dealer killed a winning hand that I showed, and supposedly everyone at the table you know, didn't see it, the dealer said he killed it, the supervisor came, my mistake was not holding on to the cards until he pushed me my the pot. I've never made that mistake since. Right. You understand? Yeah, exactly. So, guess what? Yes, it was a dealer mistake, but both players had a big problem. And, because I'll, just, and I'll just say that she's, able to see that she's a very highly oh. respected dealer, and everybody uh, feels bad for her. She obviously probably feels bad, but it's just the way it goes sometimes. Listen, I know you want to get back to dinner, but one final thing before I let you go. Uh, we'll talk more about this next week, but uh, Nick Schulman has uh, apparently been uh, removed from some of his commentary duties. Now, he does a tremendous job on Poker Go on the uh, the desk with Kara Scott or Maria Ho and, and analyzing hands. He's very good at it, but he's not what you would call a savvy broadcaster with a long history. He's a little bit shaky at some of his comments sometimes and a little nervous. And a lot of times when someone asks him a question, he'll give this like uh, kind of sound and, and talk about it. So, again, I understand that he's not the... Uh, savvy, long-term broadcaster that some of these other guys are. But he did make a comment about the main event that uh, a lot of people took badly. He said that the fields are very soft, and it's just one of those things. But his comment was, if you want to get better at poker, then don't watch the main event. What do you think about that? Well, you know, we've kind of discussed, if you want to get better at poker, you know, right now it's live, but, you know, it's always been edited in the past few years up until a few years ago. And people would ask me, oh, look how these guys play their hands. And I go, you can't even come close to thinking about that. Nick Shulman being a, a, you know, pretty much a world-class player, you know, made a comment. I think the problem was, you know, unfortunately our world got a little too deep for, for our taste, you know, a little too sensitive, you know. I thought the play, being that, like I mentioned early on when I started speaking in the beginning of the show, was that it took seven hours to get from four to ten, and I did not see the aggressiveness watching some of the hands when I was able to sit there, and I couldn't believe some of the plays. Again, me not being anywhere near a world-class player, but watching how some of the final tables, like Joe McKean a few years ago, his aggressiveness, especially in day two when he had the chip feed, you know, how he ran over the table. Um, I, you know, you, you are seeing a different style of play. Now, again, I didn't see the four who got eliminated last night, so I can't comment on that. All I can comment on is when it got to 14, 15 players all the way till it finally got to 10 players, you know, I saw plays that I thought I would have been a lot more aggressive. Um, it, it was kind of timid. I don't know if it's because, you know, these are 
so-called, you know, beginners, not experienced players, and obviously the jump in prize pool, you know, $200,000 a level at least at that point, made that big of a difference for these players that they were playing that cautious and that the tip leaders weren't putting as much pressure on them as I thought they could. And, you know, again, I didn't hear Nick Schulman's comments. I'm, I'm going off of what you've told me. I've not read them. But I would be, you know, I would imagine it was too, too PC. And, again, I'm just commenting based on what you're telling me, right. that it, it wasn't that egregious of him, you know, really calling him out, other than saying, if you want to be a good player, don't watch the, the final table. Well, I guess you always have to worry about what your uh, the people who hire you are going to think. Uh, the World Series of Poker probably wouldn't love that com to hear that comment. But like you say, we've become a little too politically correct uh, in today's world, and a little refreshing honesty is a, is always a good thing, I think. Yeah, listen, I believe it is. I'm sure Nick, going forward, will phrase that a little differently. He could have phrased it. He could have phrased it in a way of saying, well, watching this final table, you will learn that it's going to be a little more aggressive. You're, 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 you're accenting the point that they need it to be instead of saying these guys can't play the game. And you'd be, and you'd be able to get your point across, maybe not the way you wanted to, but in a, in a, in a better, in a PC correct world, and, and you and I are the same. If, if it's going to be, if it's going to be, you're going to be that sensitive about it, Boy, we're heading in the wrong direction, especially in the whole world. Okay, buddy. Uh, thanks for uh, taking the time tonight. Enjoy your dinner, and uh, I will talk to you next week, my brother. Well, listen, uh, thank you, Big Dave. Gio, thank you, guys. I am so sorry. I hope that the uh, the, the, the noise outside and me, and me trying to get a few bites in before my food got really cold, uh, that that did disturb our listeners and you guys over there. And I, I, I wish everybody good luck to and I'll talk to everybody next week. Okay, take it easy. Have fun. Take care. Uh, that's my partner, Joe Rodriguez, uh, talking from the west coast of Florida, and uh, we uh, certainly uh, uh, appreciate him taking the time away from the start of his dinner and hope that he didn't, we didn't ruin it for him. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. We're going to hear from Howard Mash in just a little bit, the seniors champion from uh, Coconut Creek, uh, Coral Springs area, plays at the uh, Seminole Coconut Creek on a regular basis, won the... World Series of Poker Senior Event for $662,000, almost 6,000 players in that event. We'll hear our conversation uh, when we get back, uh, update you on what's going on out there a little bit in Vegas. In the last part of the show, we'll talk about some of the other things going on out there as well and what is still to come. We'll be back with more of the show when we return on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> 
You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Android and iPhone users, download the WFO Radio app. It's sports radio for racing fans. Thank you, I appreciate it. The ultimate, the ultimate racing, racing show, show, including WFO Radio NHRA Nitro, WFO Radio Ignition, the WFO Radio NASCAR Tailgate Party, news, videos, push notifications, and more. I just hope I'm part of it. Go to the App Store or Android Market, search WFO Radio, and download it now. Now. Welcome back to the show. We'll hear from Howard Mash and our talk with him in just a moment. Uh, just to let you know, uh, they'll be getting under, underway tonight uh, on ESPN, and we'll be checking out some of that action. We'll be back, of course, next week with the show to uh, wind, every, wind everything up and uh, round out some of the late events. But they'll be getting into it tonight with the final five players and uh, certainly a lot of stuff going on out there. Uh, there was a high roller tournament, a $100,000 buy-in. Daniel Negreanu finished as the runner-up. Uh, Keith Tilston was the winner in that one, but uh, we'll run down some of the uh, other results in the last part of the show. But Nick Schulman finished third in that one, so uh, this was after he had got the news that he wasn't going to be on the broadcast for the rest of the series. Uh, he wants to be more of a player than a broadcaster anyway. He does a really nice job of analyzing some of the hands and that sort of thing. But he finished third, picked up uh, I'm sorry, $1.1 million. It was 100000 buy-in. He took home uh, $1,187,000. So uh, no tears for Nick uh, out there. Uh, by the way, he did come on uh, to Twitter and record a little two-minute uh, response to some of the criticism that uh, some people laid on him, basically saying that he disrespected the main event, the biggest tournament in poker, and he said that's simply not the case, that he just stated a fact that uh, it was kind of a soft field. There was a lot of bad players. He said there's a lot of tremendous players battling for the top prize. There's no question about it, but as a experienced pro that's had a lot of success, he was just uh, basically calling a spade a spade, not to uh, be ironic and uh, use a poker term there. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk about some of those results a little bit later on. But I want to get back to our conversation with Howard Mash. Uh, we did this at the Seminole Hard Rock after he had come back from the main event. And he talked about uh, how it's affected his life, what the upcoming plans heading back out for the main event. And after the uh, interview, we'll give you what's happened uh, with him over the last uh, month or so. But uh, Howard Mash uh, just turned 50 in uh, first shot at the World Series of Poker senior event, and he took it down for 662000 Here's what he's had to say from the Seminole Hard Rock. I'm with Howard Mash, the seniors champion. Uh, what's that sound like to you? It's pretty surreal. hasn't really sunk in yet. Just, you know, I never... I was looking forward to it all year. I knew I was turning 50, and it was a good opportunity, but I never really thought that I would actually win the tournament. So it's super exciting, and as I said, it's like I don't even really, doesn't even feel real at this point. Yeah, people don't realize that you were the baby of the tournament. You just had turned 50, so uh, your first time in a seniors event. Um, I know when you started uh, years ago, uh, I saw that 
one of your first big scores at the World Series was back in 2005 when you made a deep run in the deep of, in the main event. And I'm sure you uh, figured maybe someday I'll win a bracelet. Didn't know it would take uh, till you turned 50. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Back then, it was pretty amazing. I went out to Vegas with $500 in my pocket with one of my friends and uh, won a satellite to play in the main, and I ended up cashing. That was a pretty ama- that was like a pretty amazing poker experience for me then because I really didn't know poker that well back then, which made it even more exciting. But, yeah, I never really expected to win a bracelet, but it just happened. You know, you never know. When, that's why we play, just for that one magical day that can Absolutely. come through and uh, change your life. Um, you know, I fi- I saw that last year you had a couple of deep runs. You had the main event, you went uh, in the top 300, final 300. You also had a nice event at the Winds. So that was kind of a breakthrough summer for you a little bit. Uh, you know, you you're winning, not winning, but uh, you know, final tabling some tournaments here and there, 4,000, 6,000. All of a sudden, you get a couple of events where you're over 40,000. Now this year. You uh, win the tournament for 662000 Has it really sunk in yet for you? No, but it's like you make a good point because last year I was actually having a pretty bad summer, and then I hit those two at the end of the summer. Had a really good chance in the main and got me excited. I really worked hard on my game the last year, and I feel like I've really improved, and it's paying off, and I've got moral confidence. And even at the final table, I was very calm, relaxed, and felt like I was under control what I was doing. And, just, I mean, I've really been putting time into the game, so it's, I really love poker as well, so it makes it easy to study. Absolutely. Um, as far as, uh, I want to get to back to the senior event, but I, I want to talk real briefly about uh, this tournament you're in right now. I mean, here immediately, you're right up near the top of the chip lead. You had the chip lead going into one of the final uh, sessions that you didn't play, and uh, one guy passed you. So you're coming into this tournament uh, really on a heater, kind of. Yeah, for sure. I sat down and uh, everyone was congratulating me, and then for some reason they were just wanting to give me chips. And <laughs> so I was just getting good gift after gift, and I'm pretty fortunate to be in a great spot. And I'd love to be able to continue my heater and win this tournament. That'd be a lot of fun. It'd be pretty neat. All of a sudden, people are recognize you probably a little bit. I mean, a lot of people knew you from tournaments and that sort of thing, but now you've gained a new respect from some of these people. You think? Oh yeah, when I. Uh Wednesday when I got back into town I walked into the Coconut Creek Casino and everyone saw me and I got like a standing ovation in the poker room which made me almost get a little emotional because I definitely was not expecting that that everyone was following me and everyone that's come up to me has been 100% supportive and it's been pretty amazing actually that you know just from poker tournament so many people just showed how much they cared and were happy for me everyone was truly happy for me and made me feel good that I was able to do something, bring something back to the South Florida poker community. Well, I'm sure you feel a little bit like you represented South Florida out there, no question. Uh, you talk about Coconut Creek, and, and in this tournament, this is kind of the third iteration of this uh, Turnpike series, uh, but a great day for that poker room to be brought in with the big brother and uh, play this event here, and uh, things keep moving up and up, so you got to be pleased that uh, you know, there's been such an advance in poker in this area. Yeah, I mean, South Florida is probably the best area in, in America for tournaments, maybe other than Vegas. And you know, we have great tournaments down here. Always big tournaments to play, good players, and uh, big prize pools. And it's probably the best place to be if you're a poker player, other than maybe Vegas. Let's go back to the, uh, the events of a, cu- a couple of weeks ago uh, out in Vegas, and. Uh, 
the first day you were kind of, you know, right in the middle of the pack, basically, of the people who advanced. Uh, but all of a sudden, day two, you're the chip leader by the end of the day. Tell me a little about how that progression went on day two and into day three. Well, yeah, at the end of day one, nothing really was happening. I was just getting through the day, wasn't making any hands. Then day two started, and then I actually started getting some hands, making some hands, winning some ginork, gigantic pots. And then I just kept steamrolling and uh, just kept getting in great spots. I was actually played really tight and uh, was trying to let the other players make mistakes, and I got in some big pots where I had the hands and they kept paying me off. I really didn't get that lucky until at the final table, but I was just playing solid, winning big pots and uh, using my chip stack and putting pressure on people and having them make mistakes. and. I just kept building my stack, building my stack, and then that's when it kind of sunk in that, hey, I got a chance in this thing. As my stack got bigger and I was just continually be the chip lead. I mean, it was a lot of fun to be the chip leader because, you know, you have a lot of room for error. makes you uh, able to play a little more aggressively and it uh, worked out. I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time for me, honestly, because I was having a really horrendous year, not in poker, but just like my bit. I'm also a financial advisor and... I had some bad things happen and my business didn't do well this year and I was really kind of struggling financially this year. And who, who needs that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just really came at the exact right time where I was like pretty down dumps and uh, but this turned it all around. Now I've got a whole new lease on uh, positivity and what's going on. Would that change your life at all as far as uh, you know what you decide to do? Would you spend more time playing poker now and maybe not? do so much uh, financial advising um yeah i mean i've been kind of playing a lot of poker this last year because my business hasn't been doing so well so and it's been a tough landscape for what i'm particularly doing so i kind of have been playing a decent amount of poker i've focused more on poker this year so yeah i'll probably still do both but i'll probably definitely put some more time playing poker now tell me what that's like to uh, go into day two and see your name atop the leaderboard come back still have the lead going into the final day and uh you know kind of in control everybody said that you know you really weren't headed by anybody until maybe the final uh mat head-to-head play um just like confidence has to be super high yeah it's exciting seeing your name up there and your picture up there you know a lot of my friends were always now they said oh my god you're gonna do this but i was trying to always say like look i still got a long way to go a long way to go the 6,000 player field even after day two there was a ton of people day three there was still 100 and something so like i still had to get through a lot so i tried to just stay focused on what i was doing play each hand and one at a time and then it's kind of sunk in that i might have a good chance to win when i got down to like four and then I got the chip lead, and then I'm like, wow, this is, like, really good happen. But I was trying to, like, really get ahead of myself and think about the big prize until uh, it came close to reality. That was basically what my main goal was, not to get ahead of myself and just think to play each particular hand the best I could. That's, uh, that's the first part of our interview. I wanted to break it up into two parts. Uh, he gave us a good bit of time before he played that day. Uh, was kind enough to get there real early before the event. Uh, I, was ho- I was hoping that he would do that instead of uh, just rolling in as the tournament was starting. He was actually second in chips heading into that second day at the Seminole Turnpike Series. Uh, and we will uh, talk about some of the other things, how that finished up and everything. But let's take a break here in the show. When we come back, we'll hear part two of our interview with Howard Mash. This is Poker Action Live. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. <laughs> A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Okay, upcoming part two of our interview with Howard Mash. Uh, Howard, a, a member of a group. Uh, when we had Michael Tate on a couple of weeks ago, he co-hosted the show with me. Uh, a bunch of the guys from South Florida are in a group called the Slum Donkeys. And you go on SlumDonkey.com and there's... Basically, a support group chat room where guys discuss hands and strategy of the game. And a majority of them, I guess, are from Florida because it was started by a guy in Jacksonville. But there's a lot of South Florida members here. Uh, in fact, uh, Femi Fashaken, who was uh, the winner of the Big 50 early in the series, defeated uh, 28,000-plus other players early in the event. Uh, is from Orlando. He's a, a Nigerian national that uh, is now an American citizen that uh, – lives in Orlando, and he won that tournament. He's a member of the group. Also, Luis Sedan, who is from El Salvador originally but lives in Miami now and also won a bracelet this year, uh, is a member of the Slum Donkeys. And then Howard. So three guys that are in the group uh, did very well. Also, uh, Michael Ortiz went very deep in one event. Uh, Jerry Wong is a member of the group, but kind of gave it some notoriety for the guys uh, who call themselves the Slum Donkeys. But... Uh, Howard is uh, in that group, and he talks a little about it in this segment. Also, about what happened in the head-to-head -head battle as he took down the bracelet in the seniors' event. Here's what he had to say. Let's get to the head-to-head -head play because it was exciting. There was over two hours between you and Jean-René Fontaine. 
French player. Um, really a tremendous battle that had to be kind of a lot of fun. Uh, that was the one thing people talked about was how much fun you had the whole final table. Yeah, I, you know, I was having a blast. All the guys, it's a lot different atmosphere in a senior event than these younger events because they actually talk in the senior events. People have good camaraderie, and I was got along well with everyone. This guy actually didn't speak English, which made it a little more interesting. But I would like to have talked to him, but we really obviously couldn't communicate. But it was definitely a tough battle. We were playing a lot of small pots. I was winning, winning, and then we'd get it all in, and he'd double up, and then I would get him down, and he would double up again. He did that three times, I believe. And it was starting to get, I was starting to get a little antsy and worn down because I really wanted to end it because I felt like I was a better heads-up player than him. But you never know what happens in heads-up. So I was just like, once he got the chip lead again, I was, then the key hand was I had a nice bluff right before the hand I won when I had 5-6 on a 7-high board. And I got him off a pot, which gave me the chip lead. And then I won two hands later, I won the tournament with the Queens, but it was very surreal experience. It's like, I can't even explain it. Like having my friends out there, my family at home cheering me on. It was just, and then when I actually won, it's like, I didn't even know what, like I didn't even sleep for the next 48 hours, I think, after I won. He did take the chip lead at one point, and are you, as you look back on it now, um, any thoughts about how you would have felt, obviously, if you hadn't won? I mean, you've been so close, and then yeah. to have it slip away? It would have been pretty, I probably would have been pretty devastated, because as I said, I had so many big chip leads in the heads-up match. I had really expected to win at that point. I really didn't even think about not winning. I never really hit me. So if I didn't win, I don't know how I would have reacted, but probably I would have been pretty upset. I mean, there's a big difference. Obviously, it's a $260,000 difference between first and second, but not only that, just the bracelet and just the uh, excitement of winning a tournament. What was that like, the bracelet ceremony, when you went the next day and they gave it to you up on the stage, all the slum donkeys hanging around? And <laughs> Well, they actually haven't done that yet. They're actually, when I go back out on the 29th, they're going to do the bracelet ceremony because, okay. like, I guess they've got to schedule it, but I'm pretty excited for that. Um, yeah, all my friends hopefully will be there, and like all, like the whole South Florida poker community has been super supportive of me. So, yeah, it's just I can't wait to do that. Actually, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll give a nice, probably a funny speech, and uh, hopefully, uh, just keep just hopefully keep the momentum going for the next week when I go back out there for the main. A lot of people aren't familiar with the Slum Donkeys or what they mean. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with them, uh, what it is, and? Tell me a little about the fact that two other players from the group have actually won bracelets this summer. Yeah, it's like a local. It's not even that local. There's people all over the country. Much state of Florida, mostly. Yeah, state of Florida. The guy who runs it's up in Jacksonville. You know, he just meets players at the poker table and asks, hey, you want to get in a chat that we talk about poker? You talk about poker hands and cheer people on when they're doing well in tournaments. And everyone's supportive. And you go over certain situations and things just to talk poker. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good group of guys, and they're all super supportive. And it's good when, you know, you get the momentum going and people do well. And then there's been a lot of success, actually, of the players in the group. Can you think of anything in particular that being in the group has really led to some success for you? Um, just good camaraderie and just good positive energy that gets sent out by the guys. They're very positive. Make you just, like, want to, like when other people do well, it makes you want to do well. It makes you want to succeed as well. Well, poker's obviously not a team sport, uh, but that kind of gives you a little feel like maybe it is a little now. You come here, uh, having qualified at Coconut Creek and a regular there, 
Do you kind of get the feeling like uh, you're leading the charge for the Coconut Creek guys coming down here to Hollywood? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm very, I play a lot at Coconut Creek, and as I said, I have a pretty tight-knit community there, and a lot of my friends that I play with down there, we're, we do, we have our own little groups, and we talk poker, and, you know, some really good players, and yeah, definitely, I definitely was happy that I was able to represent Coconut Creek well, and I in, uh, and give the Coconut Creek some net recognition if possible and just realize that poker is pretty tough down here and there's a lot of good players down here. Absolutely. Just finishing up, uh, what are your future plans? Obviously, immediately you're going back out to play the main now. you got a nice bankroll to play whatever you want out there. You could get in a high roller if you felt like it. Uh, I'm definitely not going to be playing the high rollers yet. Uh, I don't, I'm going to stay pretty much the same as I was, um, but I'm definitely going to play the main. I'm going to just keep playing tournaments, trying to get better, hopefully. If I hit another nice score, then we might try to step up and play some bigger events. But I don't want to get over my head yet, just yet. Just keep. I want to keep an even keel and uh, just keep where I'm at. Uh, 13 years ago, uh, 14 years ago, you finished in the top 500. Then in the top 300 last year. Uh, do you feel like you're getting the hang of that main event and going to make a charge this year? Yeah, I really feel good about it. I mean, I'm hoping that I can. I got really close. I was one of the chip leaders in the middle of day four last year in the main. That gave me a lot of. I, I was very excited and I had a taste of it. And I, hopefully, I can keep this momentum. Because usually poker seems to be a momentum situation. And when you're playing well and running well, it seems like it continues. And let's hope that this year in the main. I mean, I really love the structure in the main. Two hour levels, a lot of chips. Which favors my game. Congrats. Which favors my game, and uh, I think I got a good chance to uh, do some good things this year in the main. Let's hope we can get to the final table. That'd be amazing. That would be cool. Um, so immediately you got today uh, and day two of the uh, Turnpike Series. Uh, I was just kind of curious. Uh, your second in chips, you had the chip lead at the end of your session, but there's fewer players that qualify up there, so it's actually harder for you to gain a, gain a chip lead in the early uh, day ones. Yeah, it's true. We had a pretty small field down there, but I like to play at Coconut Creek. But as going into day two, you know, any kind of day twos that you go into, there's going to be a lot of swings. The blinds get big. I mean, it's nice to have a lot of chips because it gives you more margin for error, but I feel like coming in that, you know, we're just going to play our normal game. I think, as I said when I was playing last time, people played a little differently against me because now they think I'm just pushing people around because I just want a bunch of money. So if I just play my game, I have a good chance to win this thing. I really feel like I got a good chance, especially with the momentum I have, and hopefully I can get another nice score. This poker is a confidence game, and you definitely got to be riding high there. Yes, for sure. I'm 100% feel like my game's sharp, and uh, I'm playing excellent. And I don't, I mean, obviously there's going to be some luck involved in any poker tournament, so just hopefully my luck stays hot, and uh, we can do it back-to-back because that would be a lot of fun. Uh, good luck today. Good luck out in the main event. And then obviously just around the corner, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which I'm sure you'll be uh, here for several of those events. I will be here for all of them that I can play in. I mean, sometimes I with my, I have kids that play sports and I coach their teams and stuff, so sometimes it's hard for me to play a full tournament schedule like I would like to, but I uh, try to play as many tournaments as I can. Okay, good luck. Thanks a lot. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank Thanks. And that was Howard Mash, uh, the champion for the seniors event this year. Um, Howard actually came back to town and played in that uh, Seminole Turnpike Series.
ended up chopping a seven-way chop for the victory there. As I mentioned, he was one of the chip leaders going into that final day. So uh, success there. I think uh, he was one of uh, six players who won $20,000, just over 20000 And then there was uh, one guy with a chip lead that took 24000 But uh, another good tournament there for Howard Mash. He went back out to Vegas, played in the main event, and uh, made it to day three. Uh, I was following along. He was doing very well. Eventually got eliminated on day three, but had a good showing out there. Did not cash, but uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for uh, really being on a heater, as I mentioned during the interview, and uh, parlaying it into some nice money uh, over the course of the last month. And we'll keep an eye on him and talk to him when he's at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which gets underway August the 1st. With the main event and the big four starting uh, late in the series, I think the final day, I believe, is the 13th of the month. So August 13th will be a big day out there at the Seminole Hard Rock, and we'll be reporting on all that as we uh, get closer to that event. Uh, A lot of stuff, as I mentioned, still going on out in Vegas. Uh, They actually had an added tournament uh, called the Final 50, the $50,000 buy-in. That was one of the complaints the players had, but there wasn't enough high roller events. Uh, So they added this event toward the end. Danny Tang was the winner from Hong Kong, winning $1.6 million. 123 players played in the final 50, and that was the added event. Sam Sovereau from West Palm Beach finished second. And Braddon Adams, who's also from South Florida, lives in Miami, finished in fourth. And uh, a good turnout for that tournament, Adrian Mateos, finished in fifth place. Uh, I mentioned Keith Tilston, who uh, won the other high roller, defeating Daniel Negreanu head-to-head. He was sixth in that event. He's from Austin, Texas. So a great series for Keith as well. Uh, $3,000 horse event going on now. Some of the late events uh, finishing up that will all be concluded tomorrow. Uh, Cliff Josephy and Brian Hastings uh, among those battling for the title in that tournament, uh, the $3,000 horse tournament. Uh, 301 entries there down to 87 as we speak, and uh, a lot of numbers coming in on the tournament. Uh, with 90% uh, of the events completed, we uh, we have some numbers that I uh, just want to pass along to you. Uh, some nice turnouts this well this this year. Uh, first of all, the ladies' event uh, still only about 4% in the main event, so uh, not a huge turnout there, but. Uh, this year's ladies' championship had 968 ladies played, an eight-year high and up over 39% from last year. So a huge increase, and uh, it hasn't translated yet to the huge $10,000 event, but we'll see what happens. A lot of the ladies doing well at the main event. Uh, Danielle Anderson made a deep run. Uh, we were introduced to a player, Jackie Burkhardt, on some of the broadcasts that uh, was a very good player and played very well. She finished... Uh, in 336th place, won 38,000. Uh, Daniel Anderson cashed uh, for, let's see, the same amount, 38,000, uh, finishing in 301st place. The Kelly Minkin made a deep run, but eventually got knocked out uh, under 600, 595, which uh, you know may make people scoff at that. But uh, remember, there was uh, over 8,500 players. So finishing in the top 600 certainly is an accomplishment. And the uh, last woman standing was uh, Jill Bryant from Aurora, Illinois, finishing 116th. So uh, pretty great uh, turnout there. Through the first uh, 90% of the events, the numbers were up 
43 and a half over last year, uh, 177,000 plus entries with over 266 million in prize money awarded. And uh, a lot of countries uh, showing up. Uh, El Salvador became the latest country with Luis Sedan. Uh, so that is now 52 different countries that have produced and WSOP Gold Bracelet Champion. Uh, Hong Kong got their champion with Danny Tang this year. So, again, uh, huge numbers across the board. Uh, if you look at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, remember the first year was $10 million guarantee, which is just incredible for a, for a regional tournament like that. But they had three $10 million-plus prize pools this year out in Vegas. And, of course, the uh, main event with over $80 million in prize money, the second largest in history, so uh, great stuff, and uh, keeping an eye on what will happen still to come. Uh, there was a, a tournament that just started today, uh, so they are finishing up some interesting events. But uh, event number 89, the $5,000 No Limit Hold'em event, started today and was is supposed to finish tomorrow. Uh, the closer is an event that's uh, pretty interesting, and uh, they are still going on with that one. Let me check the result on that one. Uh, 38 players left in that one out of 2,800 players in that altogether. I know that uh, Phil Helmuth did make the day today, but I'm not sure if he's still in. But J.C. Tran, chip leader in that one. So uh, a lot of big names doing very well out there. And really, I'll have a lot of stuff to do uh, after the main event. I think a good nine or ten events uh, since the main event got underway. So... Uh, I like the way they do that, and uh, everybody having a great time out there. But the main event uh, gets back underway tonight, and we will be looking forward to following that one with chip leader uh, Hossein Enzon, uh, right behind the very popular Gary Gates. So we'll be checking that out tonight. Dario Sammartino, the short stack, and we'll see what happens with him as well. That's going to do it for us on the show tonight. We appreciate you being with us. Joe will be back in town, and we'll be back on next week. And, of course, we'll be getting ready for the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open in Hollywood at the Seminole Hard Rock. Looking forward to that as well. All the results from the main event next week on the show here on Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.